0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz.
1: Syracuse recruiting news, insider
0: information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's fizz radio.
1: It's fizz radio on the score 1260. I'm Gil Gross with Jaron May and Syracuse getting set for... A chance for a big win, but since we've last spoken on Fizz Radio, it's been two ACC losses. A tough one to Notre Dame, a one-point loss, and then a game against Virginia Tech where the Orange just never climbed back into it. Jaren, um, I mean, do you feel that much differently about this team than you did two weeks ago?
0: Not really. I mean, you you had to expect that this team was not going to be able to compete with the higher-level teams in the ACC. And now you look at it and you play Notre Dame and you've played Virginia Tech in the last part of the season in the ACC, and those aren't the best teams in this conference, and you're still losing to them. So you can't really have any type of hope for the Syracuse squad going forward. So I thought this was really funny. Jonathan Hoppy was covering the game right.
1: for us. And he tweets, Here's the reality. Syracuse is 0-3 in home ACC games this year. That's unacceptable for any team with NCAA tournament aspirations. This is a really really tough blow.
0: I mean, he hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. If you can't win at home against bottom-of-the-barrel ACC teams, which if they were in any other conference, they would be decent teams, but in the best conference in the country, they're at the bottom. If you can't beat them at home, you're not going to be able to beat them on the road, and you need to win these games if you want to even have a chance at a tournament at the end of the year.
1: I don't think they're the worst of the worst in the ACC, but definitely in the... Towards the bottom. Yeah, towards the bottom Lower of the ACC. Lower tier, yeah. I would say. Which is where Syracuse is at right now. I mean, how, how low are they is, is going to kind of be the question. But, but what I felt was uh, was interesting about this is the replies. Because, like, I don't really feel like there's any hot take in here. No. Or anything for people to disagree nope. with. But people took major offense to the term tournament aspirations, You know, Hop says that's unacceptable for any team with NCAA tournament aspirations. And 15 people reply to this, and basically all of them say, what tournament aspirations? I mean, this team has no shot at going to the NCAA tournament. Zero quad one wins. So, I mean, that's where we're at, where... You can't even say that the team has tournament aspirations
0: yeah. without people getting upset. I mean, I like our Fizz followers. They, they, they're they <laughs> honest. They're brutal sometimes, but they're honest. And you got to be able to be honest with this team right now because I completely agree with them. They have no chance at a tournament yep. uh, run. I mean, NIT is even pushing it right now <laughs> if they continue down the path that they are on.
1: You knew that Syracuse was in trouble when through about 10 games in, into the season, you know, you had the the Barclays games, uh, you had a game against Iowa, um, a game against Georgetown, when every single competent big man was destroying the orange down low, you knew there was a problem yeah. and you knew that ACC play was going to be rough.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't be competitive in this conference if you don't have a serious big man. Barama Sidibe, it's... it's Sorry, you're not the guy. You just are not the guy. Jesse Edwards, he's shown flashes, but number one, Beheim doesn't trust him enough. Number two, I mean, he's not the guy either. He's just Barama Sidibe 2.0. He's a tall, lanky guy. They need someone that is big, strong, can actually command the paint down there. Um, And honestly, they don't have that guy right now. So when you play ACC competitors you're not going to really be able to hold your own to the paint
1: it's been a really big problem it continues to be and the thing is about the Virginia Tech and the Notre Dame losses well well more so the Virginia Tech loss because Notre Dame has John Mooney he's another great big man he put up over 30 points over 10 rebounds did the did the thing that uh, <laughs> the opposing you know big men continue to do against Syracuse but Virginia Tech is a small team, and that's a good matchup for Syracuse and a big-time-blown opportunity to not be able to beat the Hokies. But later in the show, we're going to talk about the rotation situation and Jesse Edwards, Brahma Sidibe. uh, I think we might be on the same page there. You also have Howard Washington, and uh, he put up a goose egg against Virginia Tech. He didn't play. Didn't play. Joe Girard played the entire game. I mean,
0: played six. Six guys saw the court that entire game. Right. Crazy.
1: And, you know, it's been a while for Bryson Goodine. Now, Quincy Garrier has earned some minutes. He's right. actually on the up, and he's been playing well. So we'll talk about Jim Boeheim's, uh rotation a little bit later on. Uh, we will talk about Elijah Hughes. Is he ACC Player of the Year? Is he going to get drafted? I mean, he's having the kind of year where you have to start worrying yeah. about losing Elijah Hughes before a fourth year. So we'll get into that. Um, then we'll talk some football. The defensive coordinator search, a story that's really going under the radar. People mm-hmm. just—and, you know, I, I, it's tough to cover if you're media because there's actually just not that much information out there. Right. But Rocky Long uh, paid a visit to Syracuse, met with Dino Babers and company. Um, could he be the next defensive coordinator for Syracuse? We'll get into that. Uh, Virginia preview and finally Fizz Feedback.
0: Of course, it's a good show. We got a lot to talk about, but I want to start off with tournament hopes because this Syracuse team, and we've already touched on it a little bit, they don't have any tournament hopes. But the thing is, and I have have a little inkling, and I actually wrote an article about this. Um, You can find it on orangefizz.com. It's how many ACC wins can Syracuse really get. Now, what I talked about was I kind of gave a preview of the rest of the season But what I think could actually happen with this team is they continue down this path, a very bad path, losing a lot of games along the way. But then at the very end, they have a surprising five-win streak to end the season, and they leave Syracuse fans wanting more. Because it would be classic Syracuse to go out with a pretty good run and the fans just saying, where has this been? Where has the actual play that they can put together in the last five actually been? Because when you look at the last five, you have Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, UNC, Boston College, and Miami. Theoretically, all of those should be winnable games. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I I think... uh, I think at Pitt could be a little little troubling. Yes, Um, I agree. UNC, you usually think really good, but they're not great if Cole Anthony is back by then. Obviously, that's a completely different game. Uh, But if it stays like it is right now, Syracuse has a realistic chance on pulling off a five-game winning streak at the end, leaving the fans with "What the heck did we just watch? Why couldn't we have gotten that the entire season?" And they want more. The ACC as a whole is is down this year. I
1: mean, when UNC is having their worst season really since I can remember. Now. I know they did miss a tournament, I think, once in the last decade. but
0: Yeah, they haven't been this bad, though. They're it's one, been a really long time. They're one game above 500. they They're just at the same place where Syracuse is.
1: Boston College lost a lot of players. Miami has no big man like Syracuse getting killed on the glass, worse than any other team in the country. So um, And Georgia Tech, Syracuse already beat. So you're right, that, that Pittsburgh game's kind of tough. But I think what you, by saying that, by by coming in with that take, you're telling me that this team is going to improve a lot by the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at this team, what's the biggest issue? A big man and inexperience. So the big man issue probably isn't going to get fixed. It'll probably be an issue throughout the entire season but the inexperience gets better game to game so when you get more experience when you play the better teams when you play the Florida State the Louisville the Duke you're going to get some minutes under your belt for any type of the or any number of the younger players that is on that are on this roster So when they get that experience, obviously they'll grow. They'll figure things out. They'll be better by the end of the season. It's not like they're going to stay at this level the entire year. They might go up a little bit, not enough to maybe make the tournament, but enough to maybe pull out that five-game winning streak.
1: I think they're doing a lot of the right things on the basketball court, and and I'm not so sure that the experience has been the biggest problem. I mean, I think in the zone defense— Gerard will definitely get better mm. than he is right now. And I think Garrier has tons of developing to do, and yeah. he's getting better and better. So those are two players who I could see playing a lot better by the end of the year. But by now, you know what you're getting with Buddy Beheim. You know what you're getting with Dolajai, You know what you're getting with Elijah Hughes. And I, I don't know if this is... I don't look at this team as... A team with tons of untapped potential. Okay. I I feel like they're they're doing a lot of they're playing to their strengths for the most part. Throw aside the offensive rut that they got in against Virginia Tech where they weren't moving. It looked like game one against Virginia where they put up 34 points. Outside of those two games, I feel like offensively they've at least been trying to do the right things, moving the ball around, moving without the ball. I mean, they just have they just have holes. You mentioned the big man, but uh, even if you go beyond that, how about the
0: guards? No one can penetrate. No one can slash. So you don't think Joe Girard is going to get any better by the end of the season? I, don't, I think Joe Girard
1: is going to continue to do what Joe Girard can do. And among those things is not get to the rim. Among those things is not to penetrate and then kick it outside to shooters. What he can do is he can facilitate the offense He can be a catch-and-shoot three guy. He can do a little bit of damage from the mid-range. I mean, I think he's a good quarterback on the offensive side of things. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, right now he's just—he's not the kind of guy that Jalen Carey was supposed to be. Jalen Carey was supposed to be a guy who was going to create offense by getting inside for this team, which is something that Buddy isn't great at, even Elijah isn't great at. Marek isn't really good at, and obviously it's not Barama's thing either. Syracuse just doesn't have that. So it's a very one-dimensional offense, a lot of threes, passing on the perimeter, you know, no dribble penetration whatsoever. That kind of thing isn't going to change. Rebounding isn't going to change. Like, It's not like a team, and sorry, I'm really going off on a, <laughs> my soapbox here. It's not the kind of team that's turning the ball over a ton. And then you could say, hey, they're inexperienced. Yeah. That'll, that'll get fixed.
0: Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I understand that you're saying that this team isn't doesn't really have much upside to where it is right now. And I, I can agree with that to a point. But I also believe that there are areas of growth that, yes, Joe Girard, I agree with you. He's not a slasher right now. He can't take it to the basket. He can't score in traffic. He's a shooter. But maybe he can add that to his game. I mean, we said last year, Buddy Bayheim couldn't even touch the ball. He couldn't dribble. I didn't right. want it in his hands unless <laughs> he caught it with three feet of space and could put up a three. I didn't want him putting the ball on the court. But now this year, I trust him bringing the ball up. Now, I know they don't really do that, but I trust him on the wing, dribbling. I trust him to try to get into the paint. I trust him trying to slash to the basket. And I think Joe Girard can add a layer of depth to his play like slashing to the basket. And I think, obviously, Quincy Guerrier has a lot of room to improve. I think there are areas that this Syracuse team will be able to improve on. And I also agree that there are some areas that they won't Okay. Now, I don't believe, to bring this all back together, that those improvements will result in any type of tournament chance.
1: Right. I mean, it's it's almost too late now, regardless of if if Syracuse kind of turns a corner here and starts to maximize its potential. I mean... It's too many losses.
0: Yeah, I mean, the damage is done right now. You have some pretty bad losses on your resume. If you can pull off the really big wins like Florida State, like Louisville, maybe a really big upset at Duke, you can kind of have a resume to say you're a bubble team. But right now, yeah, damage is done. Uh, But, I mean, do you think that if they continue on this path of mediocrity, are you even in the realm of believing that they can make it to the NIT? You know, I'm not. I don't pride myself as a NIT
1: bracketologist. Okay. So I'm actually just not familiar enough with the national landscape to make that assessment. But
0: can you can you see this team being one of the few teams right at the cusp of making no. the NCAA tournament? Because that's basically right. what the I, NIT is. Right. I see is. what you're saying.
1: Uh, no, I don't see Syracuse being a bubble team. Okay. Because I. I mean, I. Not I even a deep bubble think, team like a really big bubble. Yeah, you see, that's what I don't know. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> what, I just look. I I just think I have trouble seeing them holding their own against ACC bigs, ACC size. I mean, right? The Louisville no, I, game, I the Florida agree. State game, the Duke game. Like these games, all of these teams have big men. Florida State is one of the tallest teams in the country. Louisville has Jordan Nora. I mean, yeah. these teams... He's good. Yeah. He's crazy. You know, teams have size. Teams can rebound. Teams are physical. And Syracuse has proven they cannot and will not be able to handle that. There hasn't even been an outlier game. I don't even think there's been a game where it's like, oh, wow, Sadibe And, you know,
0: it's, has there? I mean, outlier in the sense of the entire team looked pretty good against Georgia Tech. And they shut down two bigs. Uh, that were crazy good. I mean, they they banks and I forget Moses Wright. Yeah. Um, th- those two bigs on Georgia Tech are very good, and they were held um, at bay against Syracuse. And Syracuse had its best game of the season against the Yellow Jackets. So I mean, other than that game, I completely agree, and I'm on your side. That Syracuse yeah. just hasn't looked in hasn't looked impressive. Um, and I don't think they're making it to a tournament. I think we both agree on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up their
1: stats. Uh, Moses Wright scored 17 points and uh, nine rebounds on eight of 17 shooting. And then James Banks only took six field goal attempts, which uh, which is interesting because he is one of their top scorers. So, I mean, Moses Wright had a pretty good game, but I think you a are season. right. That, that's probably the best example of Syracuse not getting destroyed yeah. by an opposing big man. In my opinion, when it all comes down to it, The only way this team turns a corner is if the personnel changes and the rotation changes. Uh, Obviously, there's not going to be any recruits coming in, so we're talking rotation. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back on the Score 1260, this is Fizz Radio and a big day for Syracuse basketball in Charlottesville. Later on, it's a 4 o'clock tip against Virginia, who held the Orange to 34 points
0: last time. It was game one of the season. Do you think Syracuse tops that, Jaron? 34 uh, points? Yeah, let's hope. I mean, that <laughs> is a very low bar to hit, and I think that they can get there.
1: Me too. Yeah. In all honesty, uh, offensively, the team has improved. I mean, if you really look at the, the scoring totals— I mean, they've been pretty good. I mean, Virginia Tech is the exception because they only put up 63. Before then, 87 in the loss to Notre Dame. Then you have three kind of cupcake games against Oakland, North Florida, and Niagara, but they break 70 in each of them. Put up 79 against Georgetown, 97 against Georgia Tech. I mean, if you trace, trace it back, it's been a really long time. Since Syracuse put up a dud offensively, it was just that VT game.
0: Yeah, I mean, their offense isn't bad and their defense isn't bad. <laughs> I mean, when you look at their actual statistics in the realm of the national landscape, they're in the middle and they're in like the 130s range in Division I of the 350 teams in D1. So they're not bad, but they're not good is the thing and they're playing good competition so that's what really makes them look like they're not that great of a team.
1: Let's uh let's get to the rotation and then we'll get to sure. Elijah Hughes. The big question is with Sidibe being such a such a liability at times on the interior what's the deal with Jesse Edwards and how much should he play and I mean, he's not play- he hasn't played since the Oakland game. He hasn't played, again, I'll say it again, since the Oakland game. What is happening over there? And he was injured for a little bit. I think he was inactive in one of these games, the Notre Dame game, I want to say. I mean, Jesse Edwards just isn't playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know your take on this because you wrote an article on fizz.com um, that it was titled, and you guys can go read it, it's Zero Minutes for Jesse Edwards is Unacceptable. That
1: was after the North Florida game. It's been zero minutes, three games in a row since then.
0: Wow, I can feel your energy right now. <laughs> uh, so we obviously know where Gil stands on this, that you want Jesse Edwards in there instead of Barama Do Sidibe. Agree? Um, to a point. To a point that I've, I mean, already on this episode of Fizz Radio, I've I've explained that I don't think Barama Sidibe is the future, I don't think he's the present, and obviously he was not the best. I don't think he is a good player. But the thing is, I think Jesse Edwards is the same thing as Barama Sidibe. He might be a tad bit more coordinated, but... They're all just like Pascal Chukwu is the same exact thing. They're all just tall, lanky guys that have no coordination. Chukwu was better. Yes, he was better. The, but he's why?
1: Because he protected the rim. I mean, because he, he was a little taller and he was. Well, he was a lot taller. Yeah. I mean, he was seven
0: three. Yeah. But the thing is, both of the the, the next two options in Sidibe It and, wasn't seven three. Yeah, but I was gonna say that was, sounded a little weird. Yeah, I was gonna was, give you the benefit of the doubt. I was, I know, no, no, no. Wow, he wasn't seven, if we he, had a seven. No, three. but but
1: but he was seven. He was like seven one. Yeah. Okay. So he, he was, was over tall. seven feet. He was tall. Yeah. He was tall.
0: Um. But the thing is, now Edwards and Sidibe, they're one and the same. I'm pretty sure they're the exact same player. Now I can't say that with confidence because we've barely seen Jesse Edwards. And I agree with at least your title of the article that zero minutes is unacceptable because you got to see what this guy is all about. Sure. Jim Beheim has practices to figure out who he has on the roster, and we're not in there, and we don't know how Edwards is performing in those practices. But yeah. in quotes and in press conferences with Jim Beheim, he's saying that Jesse Edwards is playing well in these in these practices. So why not give him a chance? Because you can see on the sideline, Beheim hates Sidibe. Let's be honest. I mean, he just does. There there was one time in last um, in the last game against Virginia Tech where Barama was pulled for the majority of the game. Um, there was a foul on, I think it was Marek or someone like that, that they got in foul trouble. That sent Barama back out there. Actually, it was Gary A. Um, and then Barama was out there for, I think, maybe a minute. He turned the ball over immediately, Jim Beheim wasted a timeout just to pull him. <laughs> right when that ball was turned over, I looked at Jim Beheim. He looked at the bench, yeah. got Quincy Garrier off the bench after 30 seconds of rest, took a timeout the next opportunity that he could just to sub out Sidibe. He is not a fan of him. So if you're not going to play Sidibe, why not play Edwards?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely in that kind of Matthew Moyer role where uh but I I don't know I don't blame Jim Beheim I mean you're not you're not making the claim that it's it's personal right you're saying no. he hates him as a basketball as a, as player. a basketball player yeah right. let's make that well, clear <laughs> yeah I mean he's getting he he is he is getting exposed and I I feel bad for him because he shouldn't be put in this position he should not be he would not start on an ACC team at the five. If on, I, in my opinion, the other 14 teams and I haven't gone through them and, you know, checked each box. Right. I mean, maybe he'd start on Miami. I know they don't have a big. Right. But it's it's just not a good situation. So you look at Edwards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He is averaging. When he plays over 15 points per game per 40 minutes, mm-hmm. he's averaging over two blocks, block shots at a way higher rate than Sidibe. Is he less mobile? Yes. Can he be any worse of an offensive presence? Probably not. I'm just I'm <laughs> struggling to comprehend exactly what Sidi brings to the table that Jesse Edwards would not slash could not, other than maybe a little bit of quickness.
0: Yeah, I mean I completely agree. And I I try I'm trying to get into the head of Jim Bayheim, and maybe it's a it's a junior versus freshman debate. But the thing is, he's playing freshmen over juniors.
1: That's all the more reason to play Jesse Edwards because guess what? There's no big in this recruiting class. Yeah. Who's the big next year? It might be Jesse Edwards. Yeah. So, I mean, he needs to develop. And that's another piece of this is that, I mean, if this is going to be a... Re- well, I mean, let's not say it's going to be a rebuild year because Bayheim hasn't... Rebuilt. Hasn't, well, he, he wouldn't admit that. He doesn't so, rebuild. Right. If you said... Shouldn't you play Edwards because it's a rebuild year? He would say, "No, we're trying to win games," and he would be right. Yeah. So yeah, of course. I, I don't think that's the right direction to go. But in the back of everyone's mind, I think that thought exists, where it's like, "Okay, if Edwards is going to be the big next year, well, prepare the guy."
0: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think, I think Edwards should be in. I also, there's also another... Anything else with the rotation? Yeah, I I, I also have another idea that Syracuse should play small. And they did that to a point against Virginia, or Virginia Tech rather, um, that they took out Sidibe, they put in Garrier, and then Garrier played the four, and Marek moved to the five. I don't think that that's a bad idea. Now, I think that Beheim only did that because Virginia Tech is a smaller team, and I don't think you can do that again in today's game against Virginia because they have the big guys that would just absolutely tear you apart if you go smaller. But the thing is, Syracuse... Is not a big team. They're an athletic team. So why not embrace that? Why not embrace the small ball mentality? Use spread the floor. Um, you have a lot of guards. I mean, even Marek as a big man isn't really a big man. I put that in air quotes. Right. Um, he's a he's a bigger wing. OK, so yep. and Gary A is the same type of thing that he can play on the outside um, and then crash the board. So I'm OK with them playing small ball. And I even wrote an article about that on Fizz.com called, uh, hey, Syracuse, embrace small ball. Pretty easy yeah. for, to find. So that one. I would agree
1: with you because at the same time, it's it's a really bad situation to be in because Mark can't really play the five. But
0: you just have no other option. Exactly. But no it's option. just.
1: It to have five players on the floor who are going to contribute to the offense sounds so appealing to me. Like to have Dolajai at the five, Gary at the four. That is offensively so much better than Dolajai at the four and and um, Sidibe at the five. And one thing that Beheim is doing and is adjusting is giving Quincy Guerrier more minutes. He played twenty four against mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Virginia Tech, which is above his season average at about seventeen minutes per game. And uh Bayheim said after the Notre Dame game that Quincy earned minutes and he did I mean Garrier could be if your prediction comes true and the orange rattle off like five conference wins to end the season
0: would probably because Quincy Garrier started Good. playing like an NBA first a rounder. big step yeah, yeah. I and those preseason polls, I think are now laughable, but well, they are because he had no idea right, how to play right, but I mean, yes, at the if if they do make that turnaround, Quincy Garrier is going to be a big It would part be of him it.
1: yeah all right. when we come back, Elijah Hughes is he the ACC player of the year? does he have his chance at that? and uh might he go to the draft? could Syracuse lo- lose Hughes before his senior year? We'll have that for you. On Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio, I'm Gil Gross with Jaron May and uh, went into the break discussing Elijah Hughes. He's put up monster numbers this season for all of the negatives with Syracuse basketball. He has been the knight in shining armor throughout, delivering consistent excellence and uh, you start to wonder, could he be ACC player of the year? What do you think?
0: Now, it's pretty simple for me. I think he's in the conversation, but I don't think he's the player of the year. And w- let me, let me, before you look at the stats, I know you're looking at them right now. Look at me. I want you, without <laughs> actually looking at the stats, just if I asked you yeah. who's going to be the ACC player of the year, first, first name that comes to mind. Go ahead. Nora? Yep. Yep. That's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy, and that's as simple as this conversation is because yeah. he is head and shoulders above everyone else in this conversation. But the thing is, Elijah Hughes at least deserves the respect to be in the conversation okay. and be in the last, say, three um, candidates for this Player of the Year award. Sure. Now,
1: Wara leads the ACC in scoring with about 21 points per game. And Elijah's at about 19 and a half points per game. So he's just behind there. Um, Defensively, John Mooney is the the league's leading rebounder by far, averaging 13 and a half rebounds per game. Uh, Trey Jones, the Duke point guard, he's ahead in assists, 7.2 assists per game. Markel Johnson, not far behind. Um, And those are the most significant stats. But let me just say what I love about Hughes's season and you, know, his overall performance. He's facilitating this offense as well. I mean, he's Syracuse's best point guard. He's averaging four and a half assists per game, and that ranks eighth in the conference. So he's nearly leading the score scoring. If, if Jordan Nora didn't exist, you would have a player who's first in scoring and eighth in assists. That's unreal.
0: Yeah, and as a small forward, doing that is absolutely crazy. But the thing is, Jordan Wara does exist. So it's difficult (laughs) to to have this conversation where we say Elijah Hughes is going to be the player of the year. Now, again he's putting up crazy numbers and him being on Syracuse does hurt his chances because when you have these conversations about player of the year or MVP or whatever it may be, you always have to look at, did this player elevate the team that he or she is on? And yes, Elijah Hughes is the only person that is working out on Syracuse right now. Sure. Maybe buddy Beheim is having a decent year, but, If you looked at the Syracuse team and you took Elijah Hughes out of it. They they wouldn't win 10 effing games. Yes, they would be horrible. (laughs) So the thing is, yes, Elijah Hughes is this entire Syracuse team, but yet that team is still struggling a lot. And that brings down his stock a little bit when you have this conversation. He's playing so
1: well that I think you have to be nervous about the NBA. Do you consider Elijah Hughes a good pro prospect? I didn't think so going into the year, but I'm, I'm starting to rethink that.
0: Well, I didn't think he was going to have this good of a year at the beginning of the year either. So I I have my doubts. I think he's, a, I think he's very similar to O'Shea Brissett. I think that's a very good comp for him because they're – He's going to be a mid-to-late second-round pick if he goes to the draft this year. And do I think that he should go to the draft? Yes. Personally, for him, it's the best decision. For Syracuse, obviously, you want him to come back for the for the fourth year. But the thing is, this draft is not that good. Not that talented in, in comparison to previous years, especially last year. Um, but... Elijah Hughes, is his his stock is not going to get any better. Um, so with a down year, with a better draft next year, and your stock not going up anywhere that is actually worthy of staying for a fourth year, I think he should go. Uh, do I think he does go? Yes. Um, and do I think that he's a great NBA player? I think he's an off-the-bench eighth or ninth guy um, that will see trash minutes or maybe earn his way into a very deep bench wherever that may be.
1: I don't really like the O'Shea comparison. Really? I I, I would I think he's closer to a Tyus battle because O'Shea is a guy who has great specs, really good athleticism, um, a lot of upside but just not really a very—he was never really a technical player. He wasn't really producing at a high level, and uh, his skills lagged behind. He didn't have NBA skills. Whereas Tyus, I mean, he was somewhat athletic, but, but Tyus was almost a finished product, You know, a guy who people looked at as very polished, and that's kind of more what Hughes is. He's a guy who—I mean, he's really just—he's playing great basketball right now, And he just doesn't have NBA athleticism. But, Jaron, you're from Boston. Did Paul Pierce have NBA athleticism?
0: No. He just had skills. Even even in the NBA, he didn't have NBA Right, and now we're
1: talking about a great, great player. Um, in In a conversation about Elijah Hughes, we're talking about a great NBA player. And as uncalled for as that might be at this stage... I think Elijah Hughes might be a pretty good NBA prospect because he has skills. Okay. He can shoot. He can, you know, he's got good touch. He can
0: facilitate. But he's do got you a see, handle. Do you see him being a rotation player on an NBA team?
1: Yeah, it's just it's hard to say because he's he's not very quick. He's just not fast. And you're, you're used to you watch the NBA and everyone's fast. And Elijah's not that guy. Defensively, he might struggle in man to man. But um at the same time he's he's I think he's a lot better than Tyus.
0: Sure, I mean the 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 thing I also kind of think about when I go through is he a good NBA prospect is he's flourishing on a team right now that has no other options. Can he do the same and produce the same type of play on a team that is going to have a lot more talent in the NBA, can he actually still contribute? Because when he had O'Shea Bursette and Tyus Battle around him last year, he didn't play as well. And now that he has the opportunity, sure, he's touching the ball more and he has more opportunity. So he's going to produce more. But the thing is, I don't think once he gets into the NBA and has all the talent around him, that he's going to be a standout player. And I don't see him well, being he can be a rotation He can, he can
1: just be a catch and shoot spot up shooter. Like, he but can, he's not
0: that talented as a spot up shooter for the NBA.
1: I think he is. Oh, no, no I, I, I don't agree there. I, I think he's an NBA level spot up shooter. Uh, that's the role that he was in last year for Syracuse, and I was concerned coming into this year that that he wouldn't be up to the task in terms of handling the ball more and really creating offense for Syracuse. And he's proven me wrong. He's a good distributor. He can score in isolation well enough, and um, he can he can just he can be a part of a well-rounded offense and he's fit in perfectly and if you're an nba team you know what you're getting with elijah hughes and that's a that's a player who is going to be able to help your teams your team in multiple roles do i think he should go i think that he should test the waters without an agent and see what teams say about him and i know that's kind of a cop-out uh but I do think you make an interesting point about will Elijah Hughes get better if he stays a senior if he stays his senior year how much better can you get yeah and that's the thing with with battle
0: i mean battle didn't really have much room to grow he didn't get any better and it really hurt him and at that point you have to look at which draft year is going to be better for me And in my opinion, and I haven't done the complete, full, in-depth Seth Green type of Uh reporting on who's going to be in this draft class and that draft class, but at a broad look at it, it looks like this year is going to be worse, which means that it's better for Elijah Hughes to go into a less talented draft and then have, instead of going into next year, where it could be more talented.
1: All right. The Orange look for a big upset later on today in Charlottesville. It's a four o'clock tip against Tony Bennett and UVA. Uh, We'll throw in some quick predictions on that one. Hit on Q's football and the defensive coordinator search and, of course, Fizz feedback on the other side of this break. Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. One more segment here on Fizz Radio. I'm Gil Gross with Jaron May getting ready for Syracuse UVA a little bit later on. But uh, first, let's hit on Cuse football real quick. Uh, They're looking for a defensive coordinator, and you have Rocky Long from San Diego State paying the Orange a visit. What did you think of this?
0: Yeah, so let me just set the scene for all of our listeners. Rocky Long, uh, former San Diego State head coach, uh, he had a great resume when he was there. San Diego State was one of 10 schools in the entire country with at least 10 wins in four of the last five seasons. So... His team overall, very successful. And then specifically, he was also had a big hand in the defensive side of the ball at San Diego State. Um, and a couple statistics since taking over as the D coordinator at San Diego State. Uh, they ranked 11th in rush defense and interceptions, 14th in total defense, 20th in scoring defense, 22nd in turnovers caused, and 26th in defensive passive Pass efficiency. So, top 30 in the entire FBS in all of those statistics. His defensive mastermind kind of outdoes himself. And then when you look at his defense, it also fits the Syracuse scheme very well. He runs a 3 3 5, what they call an ant or fire ant defense, yeah. whatever that means. A nickel, means. though, nickel yes, set. Yes, basically, So, and that fits Syracuse. Yeah, They're, they have too many defensive backs. Right, they have the DBs, they have the talent there. They don't really have the linemen in this upcoming season because you don't have Kendall Coleman, you don't have Alton Robinson, so allow your DBs to carry that team. And it's also a, t- a type of defense that allows different blitzes and yep. allows the players to really make the plays.
1: Yeah, that would be a home run higher for Syracuse, it, really it seems to me. But I, I don't know how realistic it is that he would go from San Diego State's head coach to the Syracuse defensive coordinator. I, I just have the feeling that Rocky Long can find something better. All right, let's go on to Fizz Feedback. Uh, we have three polls up. The first is, should Jesse Edwards play more than Barama Sidibe? Now, notice it doesn't say, should Jesse Edwards play more than zero minutes, which he hasn't since the Oakland game. But uh, what do you think Fizz Nation says? Uh,
0: Or did you cheat? I cheated. I cheated. So I'll let you answer this one. I won't look at the others.
1: Okay. Uh, 75% of you think that or say that Jesse Edwards should play more than Sidibe. I wouldn't even go that far. I'm just saying give the Uh, guy a chance. Just give him him a chance. Put him on the floor and see what he can do. So far, he hasn't gotten a chance. Disagree.
0: I think it's a recency bias. They're a little upset, but okay. (laughs) Okay. okay the next
1: one is sorry have to do it will syracuse make the tournament uh this was before the virginia tech game is when this poll got sent out yeah they they, it's they eight, said no yeah it's 80 86 percent no, 86% no. <laughs> third one how many acc games will the orange win uh um, i'll tell you the options okay seven to eight
0: nine to ten eleven to twelve or thirteen well, plus knowing our viewers uh they're gonna go on the low side i'm saying seven to eight
1: yeah, it's seven to eight. There needs to be a lower option here. And I, I, full disclosure, I, I didn't, I didn't put out this poll. This was another staff member, and I'm gonna. I, there has to be a lower option. Seven to eight would be good.
0: They were just choosing the the bottom of the barrel there.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Lastly, before we go, prediction for Virginia, Syracuse. Will the Orange top their 34 point performance from game one? Yeah,
0: they'll get more than 34. Yeah. They're not winning the game. I got 42 to 58. Syracuse losing Virginia getting the win.
1: Yeah, 55 to 43. All right. Let's go. So, easy win for uh for Tony Bennett and Virginia with um a, a a team that's really good at defending what Syracuse does offensively.
0: The thing is with Virginia though, their defense allowing less than 50 points per game. If Syracuse gets over that, that's a win for that at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, UVA doesn't score, but we'll have to see. All right, everyone. Enjoy the game. This has been Fizz Radio on the score 1260. From Jaron May, I'm Gil Gross. See you next time.